Welcome to Along the Backbone, podcasts about the evolution of vertebrate anatomy. I'm Dr. Matt Bonin. The purpose of this podcast series is to explore the evolution of vertebrate anatomy from brains to bones across deep time. Episode 3, How Do You Make a Snake? It seems only fitting, on a show called Along the Backbone, that we should discuss animals that have some of the longest backbones among the living vertebrates, the snakes. For those who don't know, snakes are lizards. More specifically, snakes are limbless, eyelidless, earless lizards with megakinetic skulls and well-developed salivary glands that often produce venom. Among the many standout features of snakes, perhaps the most fascinating is how these vertebrates routinely develop a body that will have 120 or more rib-bearing vertebrae and no limbs. It turns out that a simple but profound difference in the timing of the expression of developmental genes, called Hox genes, renders snakes limbless, whereas an increase in the frequency of another set of clock-like genes generates their amazing number of vertebrae. It's time for a very brief genetics lesson here. Genes contain codes that are read and transcribed by cellular machinery into proteins, and these proteins, in turn, act as everything from signals to tissue builders. Hox genes go one step further and act as master switches. When they are read and their proteins are produced, something called gene expression, these proteins then allow or disallow many other genes that pattern the body head to tail to be expressed. In tetrapods, the vertebrates that primitively have four limbs with digits, three Hox genes, Hox B5, Hox C6, and Hox C8 act as master switches and control when and where parts of the vertebral column and limb girdles will develop. Essentially, when these genes are read by the cellular machinery of the developing embryo, the proteins they make determine whether other groups of genes are or are not read, resulting in vertebrae and limb girdles appearing in a particular order. Another set of genes, which we will simply call segment clock genes, determine how quickly vertebral segments form from tissues called somites. Now that's a bit complex, so to simplify our discussion, let's pretend that you're a worker on a vertebrate animal assembly line. Every vertebrate skeleton starts with a headpiece, but after that, the number of vertebrae and where you place the limb girdles is determined by the order and sequence of three colored lights. Here are the rules. The colored lights are as follows, green, red, and blue. The green light simply tells you to start building the vertebral column, always starting with the neck vertebrae. When a red light comes on, it means to attach the forelimb. The blue light tells you to build the back vertebrae. When both the red and blue light are on at the same time, you also attach ribs to the back vertebrae. When both the red and blue light have been turned off, you are to attach the pelvic girdle. After this point, you add tail vertebrae until the green light stops blinking. So, if you were building a lizard, you'd start with the skull piece. Next, the green light would come on, and you would start with the first piece in your vertebrate kit, a neck vertebra. Next, the green light would blink on again, and you would attach another neck vertebra. Depending on the lizard, the green light might blink on four to eight more times, and each time you would attach a vertebra. But then you look up, and now the green and red lights have come on. Time to attach the pectoral girdle. After this, the blue light comes on, so that all three lights are on at the same time. Well, 
time to add vertebrae with ribs. At some point, both the red and blue lights turn off. Time to add the pelvic girdle. After this point, only the green light continues to blink on, so you add as many tail vertebrae as the green light indicates. Now one day, your boss says, we're doing a new skeleton, the snake. Ah, okay, you think, no problem. So as usual, you start with a headpiece. Next, the green light comes on by itself, and you add the first neck vertebra, and the green light comes on again by itself, and you add another neck vertebra. But now, something truly weird happens. Both the red and blue lights come on at the same time. And what this means is, you are to skip the pectoral girdle and start adding vertebrae with ribs. On top of this, the light combination blinks up to four times faster than that of the lizard, meaning that you're adding at least four vertebral segments in the same amount of time you would add just one for the lizard skeleton. This fast blinking light combination continues 120 or more times in a row, and you end up with a very long rib-bearing vertebral column. Finally, at some point, both the red and blue lights go out, and you attach a tiny pelvic girdle, maybe. After this point, the green light comes on by itself a few more times, and you finish up your snake with a few tail vertebrae. This assembly line analogy is, in essence, what has happened in snake embryos. HoxB5 is the gene that represents the green light, the one that tells you to start making the vertebral column, and it's expressed from just behind the developing head all the way to the end of the tail. Hox C6 is the red light, and the pectoral girdle forms where it is first expressed. The blue light is represented by Hox C8, and when it is expressed in combination with Hox C6, the red light, the back vertebrae with ribs are formed. Finally, when both Hox C6 and Hox C8 end their expressions, the pelvic girdle is formed, and with only Hox B5 being expressed anymore, the tail vertebrae are now produced. This is what would occur in a lizard, in snakes, after the first two neck vertebrae are formed, all three Hox genes are expressed simultaneously, which causes the formation of the pectoral girdle to be skipped. Instead, back vertebrae with ribs are produced just after the first two neck vertebrae, and the expression of all three Hox genes continues for most of the length of the developing snake. In snakes, when the expression of both Hox C6 and Hox C8 genes ends, a small rudimentary pelvic girdle forms, sometimes, and a smaller number of tail vertebrae follow. Remarkably, the genes for producing these body segments are the same in almost all vertebrates, including you. It's the difference in the timing and overlapping of their expression that changes the patterns of the bones. However, in vertebrate embryos, not only do Hox genes help determine which vertebral types appear, but there are segment clock genes that regulate how often the tissue from which vertebrae develop is divided. Early in embryonic development, a solid length of tissue that will give rise to the vertebrae appears called the presomitic mesoderm. Just as you might slice a loaf of bread from front to back, so the presomitic mesoderm is divided from head to tail into somites. The somites will eventually develop into what we call the vertebrae. The number of divisions, and hence the number of vertebrae, are controlled by a series of segment clock genes that are expressed in pulses from tail to head and back again. At the same time, the presomitic mesoderm starts expressing another set of maturing genes from the head end. Like waves lapping on a beach, each time the segment clock genes encounter the maturing gene front, they stop and retreat back towards the tail. Where the segment clock gene wave front and the maturing gene front meet, a segment is formed. 
In snakes, this pulsing clock-like division of the presomatic mesoderm into somites is sped up compared with other vertebrates. In the same amount of time it might take a lizard to produce 20 to 40 vertebral segments, a snake will easily produce 40 to 120 or more. Thus, it is the combination of Hox genes and segment clock genes, which operate almost four times faster than those of other vertebrates, that give snakes their elongate bodies dominated by rib-bearing vertebrae. Unlike a snake vertebral column, I can only hope that this podcast has been short and sweet. Dr. Matthew Bonnet is a vertebrate paleontologist and a functional morphologist who specializes in the evolutionary anatomy of dinosaurs. He teaches embryology, comparative anatomy, and other courses in his current position as professor at Western Illinois University. You can find out about upcoming episodes of Along the Backbone on Dr. Bonin's Along the Backbone blog, alongthebackbone.wordpress.com, and you can also follow Dr. Bonin on Twitter at Matt Bonin. Thanks for listening.